Hey, hey, everybody, what's up? It is Feel Good Friday. You know what that means. It means there's a new episode of All the Best Things. You're about to hear it. You're about to watch it on YouTube. Wherever you are, wherever you may be, thank you for tuning in. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. He is a strength and conditioning coach uh, for Olympic sports, and he is at the forefront of programming and periodization and researching uh, athlete recovery and strength and speed testing and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, You know, a lot of the knowledge that he has is far beyond my reach, and I couldn't thank him enough for taking the time to to break it down and, and help me and you guys better understand what's going on and, and what uh, to expect for maybe your young athletes or maybe you're an athlete yourself, what to expect at the Division One level and even up into the Olympic level of training. Um, if you like what you hear, do me a huge favor. You can subscribe to us now on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Anchor, uh, I'm missing some, I think, but YouTube as well. Drop the uh, subscribe, hit that notification bell to be up to date with everything BST and all the best things. That said, I don't have much else for you guys, so we're going to send it to this week's episode. Thanks again for tuning in and hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is another episode of All the Best Things. Thank you for tuning in, first and foremost. Today on the podcast, we have a very, uh, very special, very educated, and probably a little bit out of my uh, reach. So he's going to have a lot of knowledge for us to share. He is uh, the Olympic sports strength and conditioning coach at the University of Minnesota. He's been in that position since 2000. So in his years, he's worked with a couple of Big Ten athletes of the year, been involved in 34 uh, Big Ten titles, worked with 11 national championship teams, and over the years worked with countless All-Americans. He's also uh, currently working with Team USA Hockey as the strength and conditioning coach, and he's the founder and author of Triphasic Training. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Coach Cal Beats. Cal, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it and excited to uh, have a little chat today. I mean, I don't get to have these chats during covid like i used to i ha- used to have coaches visit all the time right and uh, yeah i'm a little bit uh but but it has given me good time to read and create a couple products or not products but a couple methods um we can even talk about those today so yeah yeah um, i love we'll it talk about my covid craziness methods that i came up with <laughs> so. yeah i love it i love it we've all had a little extra time on our hands i think with with everything swirling around in this world so right <laughs> to say uh, the least yeah, yeah. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you originally got involved in the strength and conditioning world. Yeah, I mean, I was an athlete, obviously, in college. Uh, uh-huh. Actually, I was recruited by a, uh, a coach that uh, took me to University of Finley, a Division Two in Ohio. Okay. And uh, he left uh, before I got there. He recruited me. He's a great guy. I, I really enjoyed him. And yeah. then um, I... I was fortunate. I played football and wrestled in college, was part okay. of a, three national titles during that time. And 
uh, uh, one in football or two in football, one in wrestling and, uh, was just had a great experience. And then at the end, uh, he got a call, the guy that left the, the coach that recruited me and left, uh, after I was done with college towards the end, he, he got a call from university of Minnesota and they, uh, where he was at, he was at Bowling Green at the time and said, Hey, do you have anybody that's interested in being a strength coach? And honestly, he knew I was interested in being a strength coach and, you know, he was a strength coach up at Bowling Green at the time. Uh, Mike Ward was his name. Okay. And then uh, he's like, well, I know a guy. So I came out here and interviewed. They, I think they saw my passion. I came out to the University of Minnesota. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I was able to get a, a graduate assistant, you know, and it was a, uh, it's not, <laughs> it's a little bit different times, right? Because, sure. man, the amount of, of, well, the strength coaches in those days, I mean, we all put in. 60 plus hours a week right mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. i had to get my master's on top of that and i mean i mean one semester it was literally the only time i could take classes 6 30 at night uh -huh. monday through thursday i w i went into work that that year at like six i had to be ready to go at six so you know you get in at 5 15 5 30 and ultimately i mean that was my week so i mean i, I remember i had a rough a rough exam on a thursday being at minnesota you had a, a guy that wrote the book in which we were studying you know what i mean so these guys right, right. you know these professors and and i mean first test it didn't do well and, and the second test was like he was i, I went to him and said look I, i'm gonna do the best i can but and it was a final and I, I was like look the best i can do like this is my schedule this i i can only study on saturday and sunday a little mm -hmm. bit on sunday more and then i can't review your material because I have no yeah. time. Right. Like, right, right. So he's like, look, whatever you get, I, he's like, wow. And you know, he, you know, I had lost, like, I think I lost 60 pounds on my GA because I just wasn't eating yeah, and didn't have time. So the, the things I went through to be a strength coach were obviously pretty harsh. And he actually ended up giving me whatever he's like, whatever you get on the final, um, you'll be good to go. I'll just give you that. And I was like, huh. geez, so I, I got to be on that final. So I was pretty jacked about that. Right. <laughs> there you uh, go. There it you was go. really, really intense, but anyway, long story short. And then I became a, uh, eventually left, came back to Minnesota, uh, in 2000 and worked. I, and here's the thing I wrote, I wrote around 27 programs a month okay. for over a decade. Wow which has given me my insight on and in my head, how programs turn, like literally you can tell me, okay, I'm an athlete. I, I got 16 weeks to peak for the Olympic training camp. I know exactly where we're going to go in most cases. If I just wrote a basic program. Now I've evolved to a point where I actually test you every couple of weeks to see what type of program you need. Cause I have some things that I put together with that. And we can talk about that. My, my testing. Yeah. Um, because yeah. honestly I've known that, uh, the periodization models that we follow mm -hmm. aren't correct, right? They're, well, right, I shouldn't right. say they are correct. They, they work, right? They right. eventually work for people, but I have found that it only is, is correct in about 20% of the athletes that I've coached, right? The typical periodization model. And that's right. only during that summer. You go to the next summer and that's not going to be correct because they've evolved as a human and they don't need to follow the typical. So we've only been optimal with our typical periodization models. I don't care what organization, what, what group you follow yeah. 20% of the time in more advanced athletes. Now, young athletes, I would say it's probably right. 80% of the time. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. High school. But uh, yeah. And we can talk about that a little bit down the road, but, but yeah. you're going, 
that's that was the frustrating thing is that like i knew for honestly two decades uh-huh. that periodization wasn't optimal yeah but i didn't have an answer right i didn't have an answer to say hey how do i get these athletes where we want them to go as fast as possible the periodization model is safe but it's not optimal and that's yeah. what kept me up at night at times right there's like damn i'm not serving these people as, as well as i could sure yeah yeah so um yeah that was it and then just i thought i'd move on at times when i took this job uh, yeah you know but but like this job was a great experience for the first 10 years writing all those programs maybe 12 and then i stopped dropping i started um relieving teams and handed it off to people and then uh, yeah. and i didn't do all that myself i mean there's no way so i had i usually had one or two assistants help me but but we were always involved in like like scheming and trying new methods right, right. i even right. would tell my athletes for the first few decades especially when the internet just started right uh-huh. that's how long i've been coaching you're going hey <laughs> if you find anything that looks good share it with me we'll figure something out we'll see if it works see if it doesn't right. work you know what i mean Love so it. yeah yeah i mean i've always been open to willing to try stuff but then that's how my my triphasic training evolved the yeah. whole concept was uh really i have two sports that really helped me evolve that okay training process and it was track and field and swimming, right? And I had okay. two unbelievable coaches, Phil Undeen. Uh, he's a world-class speed coach, just never promoted himself. He was at our university. I mean, he won six big, ten, I, I won six big 10 titles and probably legitimately lost like three or four that we should have won. You know what I mean? Okay. More. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, but those two sports, track and field and swimming are, are very important because everything you do is measurable, right? You get some yeah. results, but, but like, you know, you, you take a, just a pure hockey strength coach and oh well we're gonna do this program that program but well, i'm like does it work because they don't test anything apparently you know what i mean like yeah. It, it, yeah at some point you're like well it's great they got better at bench but you look at my best hockey players they weren't the best benchers right over exactly. a 20 year you know what i mean um yeah. I, I i can't find too much that correlates with a guaranteed great hockey player now speed power it's all great mm-hmm. but if you make a guy that's it's a bad hockey player, more powerful and faster. He's just going to get in the wrong spot at the wrong time, <laughs> right? right? Like he's going right. to get there sooner, but he's yeah. in the wrong spot. So it doesn't matter, you know, Yeah. Um, track and field and swimming, uh, some pretty unbelievable results, right? Okay. Just kids that weren't even, I mean, we took a couple kids that we were the only D1 offers and they, they ran uh, three years later, ran like the world's fastest times to date. Wow. Weeks apart. Okay. So we knew we were doing the right stuff, right? Yeah. Um, they didn't finish in the world's, um, they, well, they were in the world championship team, but uh, they, you know, they didn't have the world's fastest time that year, but you're talking to kids that weren't D1 prospects, except with, I think us mm-hmm. and major D1. And then they turned out and, you know, um, stories from, you know, like David Plummer, he trained with me for 12 years, was able to get a gold medal in swimming. I, I knew, I knew what program he needed. We, we knew the program we needed because he was able to, he would start his peaking program six weeks out from the, the gold medal race. That's, that's okay. what we're going to do. That's our plan. You know, yeah. so the measurements of that we took in the planning, it, that was that first 12, 13 years that I did was, uh, and those coaches were willing to let me do things. Be like, they, yeah. you know, like, let's say they're flying 10 times in the track. It wasn't, they weren't going well because we were doing an eccentric phase and triphasic. Well, they, they knew that that was going to be stressful and they might get slower. The yeah. hopes was that they got faster six weeks down the road. And, and then we planned for yeah. that. Right. And, yeah. and that's the hard part about 
training nowadays for kids, they want to get instantly better. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize it's a process. Yeah. Right. Training Absolutely. is a process. You know Absolutely. What I mean? But they get, Hey, I want an app that I can just download and be stronger tomorrow and hit a PR. Well, <laughs> you may, you may be able to get that app, but I guarantee you you're not very strong and you have a triphasic if they haven't heard about it. Yeah. Right? Go ahead. Like, um, the way you have to look when I ran, I realized many years ago that I started looking at, um, and, and I wrote a whole book about this. I started okay. looking at human, human movement. Right. Sure. And, Every human movement has a, a phase where like when you're in a squat, you go down, right? And then you come up. So even when you throw, like you, you swing your arm back to cause a stretch reflex, it's called, to stretch all the tissue, and then you throw your arm forward. Mm -hmm. So when you look at those phases, what happens is there's a, the, the, the part that goes down is called the eccentric phase. And when you throw a ball, you yeah. eccentrically load up your arm to throw that ball right. so right like it and you look at any athlete if you throw a ball with that movement mm -hmm. it's it's pretty effective but let's say you go back into that far position and just hold it for a pause and yeah. then throw the ball measure how fast the ball goes yeah it's terrible it, it doesn't go as far it's so much slower because you didn't use that stretch reflex so that's when i decided basically and realized i need to train that and I need to isolate it in various spots. So mm -hmm. when that arm goes back, that's the eccentric part of it. So when we do our weightlifting block, when I say that, when any program, like the beauty of triphasing, you don't have to like do my program. Yeah. You basically take your program and do two weeks of focusing on lowering the weight down slow and controlled. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. And after those two weeks, you've created new muscle. Yeah. You've damaged your old muscle and your body comes in and rebuilds the new muscle and it builds it thicker because of the stress. So you've now have more tissue. You have tissue that's more resistant to injury and you can look up all the benefits on scientific literature on eccentric training. I mean, it gets rid of tendonitis, tendinosis, various things like that. Right. It's yeah, all right. in the literature. Right. So yeah. then once you do two weeks of that, what happened was you do two weeks, the next two weeks you do isometrically. So you can do the same program that you just did the uh -huh. same exercises and you would hold that bar at the bottom position. I often do like three to five seconds. Same thing with the eccentric on the way down, yeah. depending on the lift, mm -hmm. you may do it three to five seconds and, you know, do two to three repetitions of it is pretty typical. Yeah. And, but that second, so weeks three and four, the second, I call it the second block, which is the isometric hold. So you mm -hmm. bring the bar on a bench press, instead of bringing it down slow and controlled during the eccentric phase. Now on the weeks three and four, once you, you bring it down fast and you stop it just above your chest uh -huh. so that you're holding it for five seconds and then you do reps with it. And then you do a rep on the way up and then you do that a couple reps, yeah. two or three, right? And then you do that. So that, that would get you through week four. Because okay. here's the deal, the isometric phase, if Tom Brady goes to throw that football, he eccentrically loads, but there is a brief isometric contraction in that muscle somewhere. Mm -hmm. Now, part of the muscle may do, be doing eccentrically, part of the muscle yeah. may be doing, but at some point, it, the laws of physics says if it reverses, it has to have a brief pause, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and the pause is important in isometric strength is because you, if you bring it back fast and you don't have isometric strength, you can't stop and reverse that very well so you yeah. lose the benefits of that stretch reflex right mm -hmm. and that's 
that stress reflex is involved not only in throwing, it's involved in running, it's involved in change of direction in all human movements. So when you run, your foot strikes the ground, there's a stretch reflex. Yeah. Right. When yeah. when your leg slams back, there's a stretch reflex in the hip flexor. When your leg slams forward and your knee comes up closer to your chest on the front side, there's a stretch reflex in the glutes and hamstrings to pull that leg down fast again. So basically, that's what I'm training is those stretch reflex with the con or with the uh, the triphasic. And then weeks five and six is just your normal repetitions. You're just repping out. Gotcha. And then what you've done is you've built you've built the ability to stop the weight. And, and, and when I say that, uh, and then people have been saying this for years and I didn't even invent it. Right. Well, I didn't yeah. find yeah. I just, what I saw was I saw it on force plates. They're okay. like $20,000 devices that if an athlete can't stop the weight coming down, right. they can't push it up at the same level or the same speed, or even if at all, because so in my book, I, t I give the example and I explain it in detail there, but I had yeah. two, two bench or two shot putters that were pretty elite. One's in the big 10, one's an elite level. They yeah. benched the same weight, but one threw the shot 10 feet farther. And I had to figure out why. Okay. Because yeah. you, you would think strength correlates with the, the distance, but it, it, it didn't. Yeah. And when what happened was when they, when I got him and I was measuring the bar speeds and the forces, the guy that was the elite shot putter brought the same load and not max load, but, but sub maximal loading sure. down, down faster. He stopped it instantly and he could press it forward faster and harder. Now, everyone that looked at the chart goes, well, this is why he can produce more. Why he showed, throws a shot farther. He can take this yeah. load. They're both doing the same load. I think it was around 220. Okay. But he can move it faster. Okay. Well, of course, but if you look at the back end, if you look at how fast he brings the weight down, he could control the weight faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. again, it all, and I started looking at all my athletes and the ones that were the best could stop the weight the fastest. Okay. Because it causes gotcha. the stretch reflex and it then allows you to, and if you can use that stretch reflex, it will help you reverse the weight and move it faster. It, and, that, it, it, and that's across the board with all your athletes, every movement, all athletes, every movement. That's okay. the crazy thing. Yeah. And it, it, and when you think about it and you understand sports from that way, you begin to realize how important that is. And, and when they say, right. Hey, he's just an amazing athlete. He has an amazing stretch reflex is what it is. Yeah. Now there's tons of things that go into that, the timing, right? Mm -hmm. My best athletes, when they, they have the, the ability to use that stretch reflex and then keep accelerating when they're jumping. Right. I mean, it's, it's yeah. pretty across the board, pretty amazing stuff, right? Like right. you're just going, um, that this is one thing that separates the best of the best. Now, right. fast switch fibers. Sure. But the people with fast switch fibers have a greater stretch reflex. Right. Right. And plyometrics. Yeah. Train yeah. the stretch reflex. So when you look at this whole thing, you're going, this is a, this is pretty, it's, it's pretty basic and you can see it in everything they do. Yeah. But what I did was I just isolated the parts of that stretch reflex uh -huh. and, you know, hundreds of thousands of books sold all over or sent out all over the world many stolen because it was an ebook at, at one point right like yeah, but but yeah. but coaches from all over the world have emailed me and said thanks for this now look yeah. um 
like I re remember, if, if you're going to use this program, remember, this is primarily an off-season program, right? Okay. And don't okay. think, and, and I don't want people to think, well, I bench 300 and I do triphasic. And, you know, after the second week, some people get stronger after the second, third week. Yeah. But many people get weaker because it's stressful. It's a very specific stress. Yeah. But when you get stronger is like eight weeks down the road. Does this okay. make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, so, so like I've even, I have had power and here's a good rule of thumb for using triphasic. Sure. I've had power lifters, crossfitters use it. Send me, I mean, power lifters that have set world records. They just add, I mean, they, it's not like they were, they already own a, a couple of them already owned the world record. They just set a new right. one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were, yeah. you know, it's not like I created a world-class power lifter, right? It's just right. something you right. throw into your program. I want people to um, realize that now. So I, I recommend like, for let's say you have a competition, I would uh -huh. recommend starting the eccentric triphasic block 12 weeks out. Okay. So weeks 12 and 11, you do eccentric, isometric weeks 10 and 8 or 10 and 9. Uh -huh. And then your concentric, heavy concentric weeks, um, would it would be nine and or uh, um, eight and it'd be, yeah, eight and seven, right? Yeah. 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 And then the next six weeks, you do your normal peaking for your CrossFit, for your powerlifting, mm -hmm. for anything like that. And because here's the deal, that first six weeks of the 12 week cycle, you've created new qualities. Yeah. You need to learn to how to use those qualities to optimize them. So it'll take about four to six weeks for that to happen. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. Be yep. Because like people say, Hey, I'm, 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 I did triphasic and I'm, I'm so much stronger on the deadlift, but my squat didn't help. I'm like, yeah, but, but like, you gotta, you gotta practice squatting some more. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, five weeks later, I hit a PR. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Your body's got these new tissues. First, it's got new tissue. And second, it's got new qualities of strength that you have right. to like get used to and then optimize in a few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, coach. How does training an Olympic level hockey team differentiate from the collegiate level hockey team? Are we using a lot of the same principles or is there... Uh, advancements and and like your triphasic training that you're taking to the Olympic level. Yeah, well, so those type of athletes. So a, a young athlete walking the door as a college freshman can I, I can pretty much do almost anything, right? Yeah. I train them with the same methods, but I don't have to individualize it as much. Okay. But yet you take a 33 year old female who's super strong. Uh huh. She doesn't need to yet like i may only get her strong i only may do heavy strength training four weeks the entire year because okay. I, I can actually then test them to see if their strength levels are dropping yeah. and they just don't because they're 33 years old they've trained hard for 15 years with me yeah they don't need to train that much harder in strength because they're just naturally strong you know I, right I, you know people say oh they got old man muscles Right. I know they're females, but they got they got old female muscles, I guess, then. Right. But they're yeah. just I mean, they're just badasses. Exactly. So the, the one thing that makes them. That that they need mm -hmm. is speed development. When I say that, like okay. I do more plyos, I do more like banded bench work and okay. loads between 25 and 55 yeah. percent. And I, I've actually had some older girls of of mine do this is no kidding one summer all we did with her because we kept testing her and it just said keep doing speed keep doing speed yeah. i did i did no bench over and this was this was three of my girls 
uh, my female, mm-hmm. my women athletes, I should say, I, when they walk in, they're girls when they're in college and 10 years yeah. later, they're still girls to me. They're, they're, they're yeah. my female yeah. athletes, right? Like, yeah. and, and I, I, man, I, I really enjoy training the women because it's just fun to watch them develop. Right. Absolutely. The, Absolutely. The egos aren't there. They just work. It's, it's great. Like when, when people watch and visit me and they see my females, um, athletes training, they're like, wow, this is impressive. Like they're the real deal. So when I say that, like I had, uh, I had 12 of my athletes or no, I had three of my athletes do the, uh, training below 50 to 25%. So we'd have bands on there, right? And the whole summer. Now, let's say they could bench 220. So they were taking 100 pounds and benching with it at high speeds. Now, I want people to understand when we bench press here at that light load, the athlete has the bar above them. They pull, they're pulling 100 pounds down on them. They're not letting it free fall. Like they are pulling that 100 pounds. So realistically, I say they have 100 pounds on the bar. Yeah the bar is falling so fast that when they stop it, it might be two to 300 pounds of force. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then they reverse it and they throw it up as hard as they can. So yes, if somebody's not holding the rib cage, they may come off the bench yeah. when they're, so it's like a plyometric, right? So okay. when I say they didn't bench over 50%, that's how they bench that 50 to 25%. And gotcha. then I had three of those girls going to the national team camp and we had, we tested around, I think there's around 80 to 90 kids and uh-huh. they, those three that never benched above um, 50%, uh-huh. 25% were, were in the top five. Those three were in the top five for the max bench. Whoa. Okay. Well, okay. so my point is they yeah. were already strong enough. They didn't need strength, but training at that light load, when they have na- uh, that natural strength level, they didn't yeah. need it. Like max strength's not going to get them any better. The speed stuff is what's made them better. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Um, same thing with a shot putter, man. Over the years, like I had one shot putter, probably put 40, 50 on his bench press, um, probably put uh, 40, 50 pounds on his clean. And he ended up cleaning 440. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. That's impressive, that's right? Weight. That's 200 yeah. kilos for the weightlifters. Um, yeah. 440 pounds to pick it up and catch it, stand up with it. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Catch it on your that's, shoulders. Yeah. He didn't jerk it, but if I trained him to jerk, I'm sure he could have got it. But uh-huh. my point is, is he's that year, like the coach wanted him to get stronger. And I'm like, he's so strong. He doesn't need it. And my formulas told me that he needed more speed. Okay. So he put all that bench on all that weight. Guess what? He threw What's the that? shot put four, four inches farther. That's it. Uh, okay. All right. Where, where a, that was a senior. Uh-huh. Now, if a freshman got that much stronger, he, he I've seen them improve their shot put five to six feet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going. That makes sense. Okay. But, but the freshman needed it. Sure. A veteran that wasn't going to make him better. He needed yeah. more light loads and power and explosion. Right. He has enough strength. He can't, he can't apply enough high speed force. Right. To throw that shot put. He only got four inches out of like a 50 pound increase on his bench. That's, That's frustrating. Yeah. But I called it a year. Like, no, it was, it would have been about, yeah. Well, the whole year went. So that spring they were like, after the season's over, they're like, Cal, we want to, let's, let's get him really strong. I'm like, yeah. he is, he's already strong. Why do we need to get him stronger? Yeah. Well, let's just do it. Well, we go through the season and guess what? Four inches was his best throw farther. It's just, yeah. you know what I mean? But, but it, and that's just the difference between sports and, and getting better. You know what I mean? Right. Like I come, I, I did a deadlift program today. I'm trying to get stronger at my deadlift. 
but it ain't going to help me do anything but be better at my deadlift, right? Maybe yeah. maybe it'll help me be healthy because yeah. I'm actually working out and I'm not, you know, sitting around during COVID. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. So, um, you know, that's the that's the big thing, I guess. Okay. Is, is uh, um, you know, I, I would say for people like you got to look at variability, especially in athletes, uh-huh. but even even other people like to train with some variety, you know what I mean? in in the process of training, but yeah. triphasic helps with flexibility, mobility. Right. Um, right. I mean, during yeah. that eccentric phase, we had a, a group of pitchers where 30% were basically too flexible with okay. their shoulder. 30% yeah. were too tight with their shoulder and 30% were in the norm. And we did a triphasic cycling through on their uh, exercises and after seven, seven weeks, they were all within the normal range. So the kids okay. that were too loose got stronger yeah. and tightened up, but the people that were too tight loosened up, especially during the eccentric phases. Okay. So it kind of helps regulate the tissues to make you injury resistant. Sure. Now, how many times a year would I recommend somebody doing it? Two to three at the most. Okay. And again, it's yeah. beautiful because coaches read that and they go, I don't have to change my program. No, you don't. You just do what normally fits, especially if you're a personal trainer. You're like, okay, we've done this program for three weeks. Now we're going to add eccentric component to it. Yeah. It's a whole different stressor. Yeah. And that clients go, oh, okay. And then the two weeks after that, you go, all right, now we're going isometric. Mm-hmm. And it's just some variability in, in, in a uh, world today that, you know what? People, people need like instant gratification. Yeah, with our exactly. phones, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not gonna say that I don't I don't fall victim to that myself, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> I, yeah. I, hey, I need an app that fixes something like right now. <laughs> you know exactly, I mean? so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it just a just a minute ago with COVID and everything, uh, especially hitting hard at the collegiate level. How important is communication with each one of your athletes during a time like this, whether they're going through the necessary protocols or or whatever? You know, how how is this affected? the way you go about your training. Yeah. I mean, I was, look, I, when I, when I build a program, I build it to try to be the, the best that I currently know. Right. Like, sure. And during Absolutely. COVID I'm going, Oh, like I was, I was having, cause I'm, I'm sending them programs that they had to do at their home with a milk carton, right. With some water, yeah. some girl, some kids have like home built gyms that are unbelievable. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, they right. can't do what I do in my gym. Right. Because I have, I have, I have probably millions, million dollars worth of equipment, right? They, sure, they just can't sure. do it, but, but you're going, oh, wow. So I would send out programs that give me freaking anxiety because I just know <laughs> that, you know, I, I know that it could be better. Okay, and, yeah. and we did the best thing that we could. Um, yeah. But what happened was during COVID, I was able to read a lot. And then when yes. we came back, yes. I, and then um, I have a son, he, he's uh, at the time, at the time he's, he's still, he's 15. Okay. Uh, he was 14 at the time. So him and I were stuck at my house and yeah. uh, we were playing, we were, we were having fun, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I bought some tactical uh, BB guns and that were automatic. We were setting up tactical courses with, you know, nice. shooting things. And, okay. you know, um, I, we were doing some, you know, I taught him how to pick locks and things like that. Right. We were having yep. fun. Yep. I was yep. showing, he's not a wrestler. I, I wrestled 20 years and, and had some fights. So we would, yeah. uh, we, I was showing him how to fight and all that good stuff. Right. We were doing some man stuff, but then we were also doing some Bulgarian training. We were training three times a day, six days a week. Uh-huh. So what I found 
and this is crazy. I will write about it in my second major book, which would be Triphasic 2. Okay. Um, I videoed him running after his warm-up. And this is and your son? This is my son, 14, okay. 15 years okay. old. And I videoed him running. I would watch it. And then he went over and did four sets of, like, squats and some hurdle hops. Okay. And then I video him afterwards, and his running form changed dramatic, drastically. Yeah. So I was like, and what, what changed okay. was it, it gave me a sign that he was, he shifted into a quad dominant pattern of running. Yeah. So the squats, and it's not just squats, the squats and or any quad exercise, because I confirmed it later. So mm -hmm. I don't want to think people think squats are bad, but yeah. the squats caused him to run. When he ran, he ran up and down undulating more than he did just 10 minutes before that. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, man, the squats, I thought it was the squats at first, but it's not squats. It's just any hip extension exercise involving the quads. Mm -hmm. And then I went to, so then I went to the glute ham and reverse hyper and he did some exercises of that. And guess what happened? It fixed the problem. Yeah. I believe it. So, I believe it. so then the question became, so long story short, through some experimenting, I realized then that instead of doing four sets of squats, yeah. if I did a set of squats and I did a set of glute hams and or reverse hypers, some posterior chain glutes and hamstring work, instead of doing four sets of squats, I do one of each and then I run him and it never caused a bad pattern. Okay. So think about that. We've been using bodybuilding methods, four sets of this and then go on to the next exercise four yeah. sets of that i call it it's on my youtube channel I, i've given this away it's performance cycling it's a uh -huh. very it's one of the most recent exercises on my youtube channel which is cal deeds okay um i've and then so instead of doing four sets of squats let's say four sets of glute hams i go one set of squats glute ham reverse hyper whatever other exercises in the legs i want and then i go back to the top and do four sets total so it doesn't change your program yeah it's just the sequencing of exercises okay all right yeah no that Does makes this sense. sense yeah yeah absolutely and now with that knowledge though i i did i would pull out a couple exercises that didn't fit into that cycle and just rearrange them at the end right yeah um but and then i would still do some maybe rehab like shoulder rehabilitation to give them rest in between some of the lifts right yeah but it fixed the problem Okay. It completely. So then when my 50 athletes came back to me in the summer, when we were able to start training again, mm -hmm. I confirmed those findings. So I had them do four sets of a, a leg exercise. Like it was more quad dominant. Yeah. And they all ran undulated and screwed up. Wow. Okay. And then when they did the other exercises, it kind of fixed them. So yeah. then the next time they came to work out, I just had them cycle and I never saw a bad pattern. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, think no, about it. Now, now, look, I'm not saying bodybuilding's wrong mm -hmm. because you need four sets in a row to build your quad muscle up, right? Right, right. You have to have that. That's the purpose of this whole thing. Sure. Is to build that quad muscle in bodybuilding. But I'm not saying powerlifting's wrong or Olympic lifting, right? Yeah, they have to do those patterns to get really good at those patterns because they're measured in the squat 
deadlift. They're measured in the Olympic lift. Yeah. So you need to do those like 10 in a row, six in uh -huh. a row, whatever you want to do. But for athletes, I don't think it's good. Other coaches that I've shared this with experiment and they're like, you're, you're right, Cal. It will screw them up at least for some period of time. Yeah. Because you're, think about it, your body's adapting to that exercise. And if you do too much of that one exercise without doing others, uh -huh. it, it forces it into a certain type of compensation pattern. Right. Right. So, huh. and again, I don't want people to think, oh, he hates powerlifting. No, I love powerlifting. I could watch it all day. I could watch yeah. Olympic lifting all day. I appreciate bodybuilders, man. The fuck, the size of these people, they're freaking huge, right? They're unreal, yeah. And that's yeah. the method. I'm not saying a bodybuilder should do what I just talked about with that cycling. Why? Because yeah. they won't get the muscle growth that they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Or a powerlifter, that's not going to work for you. You need to perform the squat. But in athletes, I'm telling you, performance cycling would probably is more optimal. And every coach I've turned on to it, has confirmed it. And I'm talking, we're talking good coaches that I talked to from around the world. Once I let them in on this, mm -hmm. they were like, yep, yep. You're, this is correct. You are, you are right with that. And I don't, I don't let out their names because I, you know, I'll let people criticize me or, you know, um, whatever, but I'm not going to throw them into the mix. Right. Um, that's our world. People criticize. Well, I, I even had a elite coach when I released that video hit me up like, Oh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen this. I'm like, have you ever videoed your athletes? before and after squatting right well no right. and i'm like well, well how could you possibly have seen this uh-huh you know what i mean like I, I don't get like but but again when you put stuff out there like i do you, yeah. you're bound to be criticized but but i'm just going to tell you this i wrote i've wrote more programs than anybody i know uh-huh in the field um are they all good probably not <laughs> i'm not right. gonna say right. but i got more miles with me and my assistants coaching athletes than like yeah. all these experts in the field that probably do a couple personal training sessions a week. They may have a PhD and, and they're saying they're an expert. They don't have like, one of the things I created was my 10 20 tool. And it's really just a measurement of your 10 and 20 yard dash to uh -huh. predict what type of, of program you need. I yeah. had, I had 18 years of numbers of a 10, 20 yard dash paired with a pro agility paired with vertical jump, vertical jump, pause, squats, cleans, bench. I matched that up and I was able to pull out of that, that the 10 and 20 yard dash yeah. could predict if an athlete needed to be stronger, needed to be faster, the whole deal. Yeah. Right. And, and like, yep. it took me 20 years to get to that formula. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's people out there that will criticize you because, oh, you know, this isn't validated. Well, like I validated it and it'll yeah. take you 15 years of getting numbers to validate it. But, but trust me, it, it only works for all my athletes. So I'm just going to run with it until you find something better. Right. Yeah. And if, if yeah. I see something better, I'll run with it. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah. All right. Love it. Yeah. Well, right here at the at the end kind of of our uh, conversation, I like to have a little fun with with my guests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just kind of rattle off some questions for you. First thing that comes to mind, they're going to be pretty lighthearted and low key laid back. Uh, we want to get to know you away from the gym a little bit away sure. from away from the weight room a little. So I'll rattle off some questions. Uh, and then yeah, just simple, simple answers is, is great. Right. So uh, from the top, we'll go favorite cheat meal. Friggin cheesecake. Barnard. Cheesecake. Okay. Yeah. Well, like that's if that's a meal, but I guess the meal, um, 
would have to be i'm usually a mood kind of guy all right but I, yeah but like a big hardcore cheeseburger man i just, okay. <laughs> yeah all right. with a three-finger pour scotch usually is my all right. there, there we go i <laughs> yeah, love yeah. it love it uh favorite sport to watch whether it's a team that you work with or a professional team an overseas team whatever it may be hockey due to the like movement and everything i, I don't yeah. even understand it at the highest level but it's it's just fast paced and, and, and a great game once you understand it it's one of the best games I've just recently gotten into NHL level hockey and been watching some collegiate stuff this year. And it's, it's unreal what those guys and girls are doing on the ice. Like they fall down and get up in two seconds. And I'm like, if I fall on skates, it's going to take me, you know, 15 seconds to stand back up. It's just second nature (laughs) to them. Right. And then people have to realize how fast things are happening. It's literally, it's the one sport that has all the energy systems involved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's it, it moves the puck faster than basketball moves the ball around. Right. Yeah. But there's contact involved in the sport too. So it literally has all the dynamics of every sport in it. Plus you're on ice, right? Like that's another yeah. beauty and you got walls to hit things into. Like, it's crazy. I love and, it. It's, 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 I wish I could have played it growing up. I played football and wrestled. So. Yeah. And you're in Minnesota, which is often referred to as the state of hockey. So you get a it's, lot of hockey in your neck of the woods. They build ice rinks one minute apart here. Like I'm that's, not kidding. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. Wild. It's that's awesome. Wild. It's awesome. All right. When you're not in Minnesota, what's your uh, favorite vacation spot? You know what? Anywhere by a beach um, okay. when I need it. Uh, I do like hunting, so I don't mind that. But yeah, just a pure yeah. vacation, a beach, low key hotel. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just, just calm down. Hopefully nobody recognizes me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't right. mind talking training either though, but uh, no, I just have fun. Yeah, I love it. Uh, favorite way to spend your time outside the gym, outside the weight room? Are you uh, are you going to the movies? Are you hanging out with the family? What are you guys up to outside the gym? Well, obviously, um, family stuff. And my kids yeah. are 15, 17, so they got a lot going on. But okay. I, honestly, I, I, I read a lot in I training. It. I got to read better. You know, I got to read other stuff. I, I have gotten into other stuff, but uh, uh, I let people like let me know what's good, whether it's leadership uh-huh. or communication. But then, uh, I, you know what? I found a great park where I live. It's a six mile, uh, walk hike around with yeah. a few hundred foot waterfall. Like it's, it's pretty awesome. I, I I've realized that I love getting into nature more. You know, I was always, I liked nature, but n- once COVID started, I, I really reappreciate, I really found a, a re, you know, reappreciate the, uh, getting out there more. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe Alex Spanos is like in your neck of the woods kind of there, right? Strength yeah. coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's gone viral for a couple different things he's doing. Uh, the Oregon football coach is strength coach is doing some viral stuff. What is your viral? If you were to go viral, what, what do you think it would be? What do you think you have some kind of crazy, like uh, dance or something that you do before to get the team pumped up or, or what are you doing that you think is your viral moment? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't, uh, <laughs> They, I could, I could probably get, like, I know I'd get a lot of stuff. I probably took my shirt off, did a dance or something, right? There you sure. go. There you um, go. I won't let them video stuff. I try not to do that, right? I, okay. I try to make some level of, prof- because like everybody that knows me personally, they don't see me being professional. So in my social media, I try to be professional, you know what I mean? Okay. I love uh, it. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, I, you know what? I just finished the hard deadlift workout this morning. Uh uh, I don't know, going to the point where you pass out sometimes, you're like, oh, maybe that would be viral when I passed out and hit my head on the bar or something. Yeah, there <laughs> right? you go. There yeah. you go. Okay. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big emotional guy. The one reason is, is that when we train, we don't 
train. I, I try not to let them get too emotional. We just train hard right? because I train five days a week. Like you can train emotional if you train three days a week mm-hmm. because you got some time, but I train five days a week and I, I just got better results that way. And then yeah. you don't, you keep emotion out of it because I find if emotion gets too involved and I'm not talking, I'm talking, I have athletes walk in here and have done 800 pounds, single leg split squat deadlifts yeah. or single leg safety bar split squats. And you're like, you know, try not to get too emotional, but, but they just ripped it out. Right. I got yeah. girls, uh, 130 pound girls doing 365 on single leg split squat, safety yeah. bar split squat. Right. Um, they just okay. walk in and they do it right. Try not to get too emotional, gather yourself because I find if they get emotional too much, on a five week, five day a week plan that's hard over 20 weeks, they burn out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now you can train hard. You just have to, once you get emotion involved, it taxes the, the dog's not like it literally, it'll eventually cause a breakdown over training. Or, yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So, okay. All right. Uh, and then finally, with the, with the questions here, le- if you were to write a letter to a younger version of yourself with some lessons or advice you've learned over your time as a strength coach, what would that letter say? I mean, what if you could back up on yeah. maybe a mistake you made at one point or, or something like that? What's the advice you would share with yourself? Honestly, I would I would say just be more weary in the field. Like I, I trusted people in the beginning more than I probably should have. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I, I just think the nature of the field with the egos involved, right? That's that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um on top of that, I I guess like uh every every like at times i would be like oh that method can't work but but you you have to dig into why somebody was doing it and when you understand why then you you might actually know how to make it better you know what i'm saying yeah um yeah and then i i just started this I, like i created some stuff but in the last five years i really started creating a lot of good stuff yeah and here's how i create stuff mm-hmm. i I question every method I use or everything I do. And then I realize which actually creates problems I didn't even know I had. Mm -hmm. And then I just make solutions for those problems. And that's where I create new stuff. I love it. Right. So I, I I question everything I do or somebody else, Mm -hmm. which then creates problems I didn't know I had. And then I just try to make solutions for those problems. Yeah. And that's pretty simple. And if I could have figured that out 20 years ago, I, I would advance myself a little bit, fa- a lot faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But you yeah. know, when you're a young strength coach, you don't want to say, Oh, this method worked. Yeah. But where's the faults in this method? Where are the negative, like, where can it be better? And I, I don't know if I did that enough. I just got, okay. I was just solely based on, Oh, I got results. Well, that's great. But like, why did you get results? What's the downfall? And yeah. is there a way to make it better? Love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, coach. Well, where can we first off catch up with you on social media? I know you said you don't live and die by social media, but uh, you had mentioned the YouTube channel. You got your book. Where can we, where can we get that? I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, My one website's XL athlete, like extra large athlete uh, com. You can find, you know, the book on there. You can find the book on Amazon and uh, triphasic training. And then try, I have a number of books. Uh, and manuals okay. out, you know, like uh, I have a speed manual uh, okay. that's been selling all over. It's, it's, I'm killing it in Europe right now with it. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I have a few others like a GPP manual, you know, where we tape the mouth. We, we, we do certain methods, concert, you know, a contralateral, um, 
variation of, of a ton of exercises, but, and then like a peaking method, my peaking method is probably the most unique advance in there just because we, we use a lot of high speed, high velocity. I have over 450 exercises we came up with in there. So, okay. but those are all on XO athlete website and uh, yeah, I just been lucky and blessed and I come up with a lot of uh, a good, a lot of good stuff. I, I try to get out there. My YouTube channel is a big one. Cause I, I, I throw a lot of free stuff out there. So. Love it. I love it. All right, coach. Well, yeah, thanks for taking some time out of your, I'm sure it's hectic with everything yeah. going on right now. So yeah, no, I appreciate your time and just sharing all that knowledge with us. It definitely some insight into a little bit more what the world of strength and conditioning is, you know, as a whole. So that's, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Sure. Awesome. Well, Hey, I appreciate you having me, Jake. And, uh, We'll go from there and yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, let me know when this is up and I'll, I'll uh, post it. Okay. Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, coach. Yep. All right.